Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. Hi, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. My name is Nasser Pasha. And this is Matt Stahl. We both remembered our names. Great. And this is our podcast where we cover business in the news and answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can submit to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. Yeah. If they can get through typing in the name, then I guess that's... Sometimes the questions are shorter than the actual email address they type into. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's the biggest obstacle is just getting the email right. Yeah. If you get that right, then you're more likely to get question answered. That's true. More likely. <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's definitely the case, I would hope. <laughs> so what do we got today? We're going to go international with our story for today nice. based out of Manila here. But it's it's two companies that are facing a lawsuit for what's text spam. So obviously people know what spamming is and what texting is. So I, I think they can piece together that, you know, what happened in, in this situation that people were just getting text spam messages. And I'm sure it's happened to everyone. I know I get them from time to time. Sometimes it's just gibberish and sometimes it's a link and sometimes it's whatever they have planned. But now companies are, looks like they're, at least in, in Manila in the Philippines, it's coming back to haunt them. Yeah. Spam is an interesting thing because obviously people do it because it works. I mean, they may have to send to 10,000, 20,000 or even much more than that to actually get any kind of response. I mean, I assume the response rate is low, but there's a reason why people still do it because spam works. Now, I don't know about text spam, though, because you're right. The stuff that I get on your phone is most of the time gibberish or obviously spam. But at the end of the day, text spam is very hard to get comply with because you have to get consent from them and it can't be misleading and things like that. Whereas email spam is a little bit more flexible, at least in most states, in the sense that it can be unsolicited so long as it complies with the Can Spam Act. And that requires an unsubscribe list and things like that. Obviously, getting consent of the actual recipients much better and it's going to be much more effective. Right. And it looks like this is a situation where basically a company had gathered all these people's names and, and phone numbers. And I'm guessing they sold them to this third party who then you know is one of the two involved in the lawsuit for spamming them, which... And you, they have to think that it's going to come back to haunt them at some point. I, I just don't... I don't get the thought behind it. I think it works to a certain extent. You know, the problem is, is that if you're a legitimate company, meaning like you're not selling something silly like these guys are, probably are, but and you're trying to do a service, you know, text spamming is probably not the way to go. I know there's a lot of text marketing out there that you can go through some opt-in processes, but it's very difficult to do it legally and effectively at the same time. And email is the same for that matter. And keep in mind too, it's state by state. And so California, for example, is a little bit more restricted than the federal law. And also there's restrictions on how you get that email address. A lot of people get them from scraping these websites and so forth. That's actually improper as well. And even when you do comply with everything else, how you got those lists is also important. Yeah, all very true. And that's why you see people from time to time when they write their email address out, they'll they'll spell it out. So it'll be ask and then spell out the word dot and then at <laughs> yeah. legally sound smart business.com. So yeah. And those aren't as effective anymore. It kind of depends upon how you, you switch it up because a lot of scrapers can read those too. Actually, what I do 
is I put a different email address for every single website that I use or whatever. So if someone does spam me from someone else other than that website, then I know who gave out that address or how that they got that address. But that's that's assuming you're able to find have a domain name customized to you and set that up correctly. But kind of a fun little tech tidbit there. <laughs> so how many email addresses do you have? It all gets forwarded to my main email address, but like I'll have like for example, you know, poshalaw.com, I'll have like uh if I register for I can't think of anything that I could register for. There's not I can't think of one website other than poshalaw.com. I don't think there's that anymore out there. Like let's say it's uh I don't know, eBay, right? So then I would do eBay at poshalaw.com. So that way I know if someone else steals that email address to send me spam, I know where it came from. All right. Well, people can take that advice if they want, I guess. I don't know. Not my thing. That's the better advice. That's the tech advice. Well, we haven't gotten to our question of the day yet. I guess that's where we really give the advice. So that was a little little appetizer. We'll get into the question of the day now. We have a PTO system in place that allows employees to take days off, but many of my employees are requesting the same days off because of the World Cup. Can I prevent some from doing this? This comes from New York City. <laughs> Have you been watching the World Cup? I guess, well, there's only been one game so far and there's a game going on right now. But Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a huge soccer person, but I, I will watch the World Cup, You know, especially... Team USA, but I can't say once they get eliminated, I care too much about it. <laughs> I think it's a very fun time of the year. But I, I understand this because people in certain circles of friends and so forth, they really get into this. And, and I could imagine, you know, they want to take off, they want to watch it at the same time. And all the games this year are during the middle of the day. I think it starts at what, 12 o'clock Eastern and then goes all the way till like, I think the last game that starts at 6 p.m. Eastern or something like that. So it's, yeah, it's in the middle of the day. It's kind of like the NCAA tournaments. People are watching on their computer desk or whatever. Yeah. But in general, PTO, first of all, in pretty much every state, you're not required to give vacation time. In some states, you're required to give sick time. And we talked about in New York City, for example, they have required sick leave now and so forth. But And PTO time, of course, is paid time off. And that is a combination between vacation and, and sick time and basically allows them to use it however they want. But in general, besides sick time, okay, I want to separate that out for a second, because in certain, like New York City has specific specific rules for it, if it's vacation time, you can pretty much dictate how that is used. And you can even force your employees to take vacation. For example, let's say you have a slow time of year, you know, classically maybe in December, then you can actually require your employees to take that time off at that time. But the trick is is to actually putting that into a policy, right? And you have to make sure, just as you would everything else, how many sick days they get or how many vacation days they get or PTO, you also have to specify how that process works. And a lot of time you put in there requires the consent of the manager and so forth. Yeah, and you'll see this more commonly with places where something like a bank, for example, where let's say you have three tellers and I want to use a better example, the post office, because I had to go there recently. They seem to be the worst for this. It's they might have four people that are assigned to work for the day, and like three of the four are always on lunch or a break. As long as I always have the one, you know, that's fine. Yeah. But you know, something like a bank where there are three tellers, and at all times, two of the three have to be there. I guess this isn't necessarily getting into 
PTO, but let me back up even further here that let's say you have a, a pool of five, <laughs> it's, it's related though. five tellers to, to choose from that all have to work. So only, you know, four of the five have to be there on any given day. So if one person takes the day off, then, you know, the other four have to work. I guess that's, it took me a long time to get to my point, but at least I got there. <laughs> what they didn't say is that this company is actually FIFA and they're asking if they could, they could take off for the World Cup. So that's a different issue. Well, one thing that they could do is just if they have that many people, you know, I, I like the idea of fitting your company to the culture of your employees. And if a lot of your employees are into the World Cup, then maybe adjust your hours if you can, possibly. I, you know, I don't know if it's an office setting or whatever, but uh, see if you can integrate the World Cup into, into your business. And I think that's a better idea. Obviously, from a legal perspective, you can dictate pretty much however you want when it comes to the PTO, but that's just kind of an alternative uh, strategy and kind of non-legal perspective. Yeah. And I mean, also, you know, you can just put the match on in your office and turn the sound on because soccer's really nothing happens for like 85 <laughs> um, to 90 minutes. So when you hear, all you got to do is listen. This is what I do. Just listen for when the announcer's voice is raised and then you, <laughs> then you know something exciting has happened and you can watch. The rest of the time, it's just kicking the ball to each other in the middle of the field. You know, I read a statistic about our listener audience and 95% of them are huge soccer fans and you just turn them all off. Uh-oh. Well, we just lost 95% of our audience because of that. That's fine. Good thing our, we have 1 billion listeners. Well, okay. <laughs> I suppose... We'll get them back somehow. Yeah, we're fine. I'm not worried. All right. Well, that's our episode. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.